will never end. I think most of us can agree on this also. I'm looking for things we can agree on, okay? Uh, so I've got several throughout the message. But uh, I think we can agree that 2020 will go down in history as one of the most troubling, uncertain, controversial, frustrating, difficult, and muffled years on record. America has experienced rioting, burning, looting, and even some cities experienced takeovers, occupations. All in the name of one very unfortunate, senseless, unnecessary death of a black man. And from their perspective, all in the name of peaceful, peaceful protest. All I can say is if these are peaceful protests, I would certainly hate to see their angry, hostile protest. Crime is up. Homicides are up. All sorts of criminal activity is on the increase. The attack and murder of police officers across our country is up. And we're in the midst of a worldwide pandemic, COVID-19. Now, I could throw out numbers, and I'm very cautiously aware. I could throw out the number of 314,000 deaths to you, and I know some would argue that point. So we're not going to debate. I'm not going to actually say that, but... I, but People are dying from something. And we're not sure totally if it's all COVID related, but they're dying from something. And that should cause the church to be alert and aware that lost souls are going off into eternity. And no matter what you name it or what the doctors put on the death certificate, the church ought to be alert and aware and concerned that people could be, possibly, and many could be dying without Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior. But I can say to you with certainty about this, if it is your husband or your wife or your son or your daughter or your aunt or your uncle, no matter what they name it, or the, they say the cause of it, you will probably, if you're normal, will be grieving and you'll be heartbroken over the death of a loved one. Our economy is, has staggered and taken a terrible hit, as most of you are aware. We've had a terrible financial setback. 
And I'll even give you one other piece of bad news. I think the confidence in the voting process has been greatly eroded in many lives, in many minds. I think it's in serious trouble. And I think our nation is as divided as it's ever been in my lifetime. I don't think I've ever seen our nation as divided as we are today. I'm, I'm very concerned about America's future. And of course, my dad and our grandparents felt like for our grandchildren's sake or their grandchildren's sake, they were concerned then also. So with all of that going through our minds, you, and Pastor Joe refers, he, he says this from time to time, you know, as he's chewing on some scripture and chewing on... He's trying to come up with a, an idea or direction for a message. And so with all of that going on, I'm asking the Lord. Now, I'm up this, you know, Sunday before Christmas. What am I supposed to preach on? What do you want me to say? What is the message for the church this day? And God made it absolutely clear. Early on in the week, the thought, and these, this is how it works for me. You'll be reading scripture or whatever, but then these thoughts begin to come. And, and the, the thought of preach on peace. And I, and I said to myself, well, Lord, boy, if I need anything, I need some peace. I really need peace. And so later on the week, you know, as the days go by, he said, he's saying, preach on peace, preach on my peace. So I'm in my chair and we have our, our, our arrangement in our living room and Linda has a, a chair and I have a chair. They're recliners, lazy boys. Um, and our tree is over here to my right and I'm, I'm looking at the tree and it's Beautifully decorated ribbons and ornaments and, and words, joy. And right almost eye level in a different, in a dark burgundy is peace. I said, okay, well, then I was speaking to one of our loved ones and she said, I was having a quiet time and the Lord really spoke to my heart about his peace. And I said, all right, Lord, I don't know that I've ever preached on just the idea of peace the Sunday before Christmas, but I think that's what you want me to preach on. So as we evaluate the year and reflect and we think about what's going on around us. And then if you'll just, let's just be really honest with each other. And you need to be honest with God. I think with all of this and everything that's going on. I think if you're really honest before God, you'll say, you know, there is a, there's some unrest going on in my in my heart. There there's just some unrest. I, I'm not really experiencing the peace of God like I, I think I should. And, and I'm admitting that. I'm telling you. I, I, I'm confident that that's why God led me to preach on this. Well, then with all of that, guess what happened this morning? 
we're driving out and and there's a fog advisory. You know, you can't see, you barely see the hood and we've got a very short hood, but we barely see the hood. So we're driving, you know, carefully because we have cows that get out of the their pastures and deer across the road and hogs out on the, you know, so we've got to watch the installed, you know, tractors and all kind of things. So so we're driving along, Lynn and I are talking, and she's doing most of the talking. I'm concentrating. And we come up to the blinking light in our little hometown, Flynn. And I look up, and there is a train. And that train is stopped. It's not moving. And it's as far as I can see that way, and as far as I can see that way. And I said, oh my goodness, kind of, I didn't strike the steering wheel, but I grabbed it firmly and said, oh no, there's only one thing to do, and that's drive south and go the back way through Madisonville and all that and the stop signs and the red lights and the traffic. And so I called Dan and I said, Dan, I don't know, but we actually beat you here. That's kind of amazing. I, I, we don't need to get into that. But anyway, but I called, I called and I said, just in case, you need to know. So anyway, that, and so Linda, she's so, do y'all know, she is a mercy, but she is so sweet. She said, Rod, God's just giving you a perfect opportunity to put into practice what you're going to preach. You're going to get to demonstrate peace in the midst of having to go <laughs> all this different. I, I said, you're, you're exactly right. Didn't I respond? Well, I mean, you know, and this is our conversation. I mean, I mean, I didn't strike the steering wheel and I didn't yell at the train. I mean, but, you know, so but I was a little I was tense. I will say I was tense. But I think all of us, let's just be, let's honestly, let's all just say, wouldn't it be nice to just pause a moment and allow God's peace to just flood your soul? I mean, would anybody say amen? I mean, do we, do we need that or not? There's a lot going on. Nobody's denying that. So we're going to spend a few moments considering what Scripture says about peace. And I know, listen, we could, get, we could have a week-long study on peace, okay? I understand that. But I'm a simple, I like to do simple things, like this is a two-point message, two-point sermon. And I, I think there are a lot of ways to break peace down, but there are two ways that I want to present today. One is peace with God. There, there's something to, that you need to know about. The peace with God. And then secondly, the peace of God. So you've got the peace with God and you've got the peace of God. So let's start with number one. The peace with God. And, and I am going to, as much as I possibly can today, and I'll be, be aware of the time, but I would like for you, if you've got your Bibles, it'd be good to look up these verses, and I'll be, I'll be kind of thumbing through and looking some of them up with you, but it would be really good 
So you can turn first to Romans chapter 5. Romans 5. So the first thing that we need to think about is our condition, our condition as human beings prior to salvation. Our condition, we are unregenerate, we are lost, but as human beings in this unregenerate state before salvation, I, I just, when you think about peace with God, you need to know and understand that I believe the Bible, and, and I think you can really back this up with multiple scriptures. This, the Bible says before salvation, we are actually enemies of God. Now, I'm going to tell you, a lot of people don't think like that. They don't, I mean, you know, oh, but I'm a good person, and, and you know, I, I, I love God, and I... I, uh, all these wonderful things, but it's important that we understand that, that you, you have to go by scripture. So look at, uh, Romans five ten. for if when we were enemies, for if when we were past tense, we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Prior to salvation, the Bible is very, very clear. We are enemies. We start out enemies with God. And so I've, I've said this often. We're, we're born basically shaking our fist at God. Stiff arming God. Being against God. Now, again, I've, I said you can, you can do a look at a concordance and find a lot of verses. But so just, just to look at a couple, um, look at Ephesians 2.12. If you take your Bibles and flip over to Ephesians 2.12. Ephesians 2.12. That at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So we are without Christ before salvation. The scripture says we are enemies of God, and that is all prior to salvation. So we don't want to make any mistake about it. I believe you could go on and on, but the Bible is very, very clear. Prior to your salvation, we are actually in conflict, if you will, with God. We are enemies. We're in battle, if you will, even with God. Before we acknowledge our sin and before turning to Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are enemies. A Colossians uh, 1.21. Why don't you turn there real quickly? Colossians 
And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. Prior to salvation, persons born in this life, they're enemies of God. And there is no way, and if you look at this and you do a thorough, honest search, research of the scripture, you'll discover there is no way to have peace with God. You'll never have peace with God. You can try all kind of things. You can volunteer. You can, you know, uh, join churches, whatever. But you cannot have peace with God until there is reconciliation between you and God. God, God has to reconcile you. And, and 20, Colossians 1, 21. And let me just read again. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. So there's the key reconciliation uh, coming to Christ and being able to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now let me just read. I think it's good to get the whole context here as we read uh, Colossians 1.14. Let's just read all the way down to 22. And again... I'm convinced you can't go wrong by just reading Scripture. In fact, I've, we've even thought about just having a whole service where we do nothing but just read the Word. Just the Word of God. Listen to this. Verse 14, In whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is in the image of the invisible God, <clears throat> the firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities of power. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church. Who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Boy, there's a sermon. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace, look at this, and having made peace through the blood, Having made peace, and we're talking about peace with God. We're talking about a person who's an enemy of God. How do you have peace with God? And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he 
reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. It's through his blood. It's being reconciled. And we, God restores that relationship. Enemy, us being enemies with God. He gives us peace with himself through the blood and the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God only comes one way. If you're going to have peace with God, it only comes one way, and that's His way. You can't make up a way. You can't use worldly wisdom. You can't use uh, religious ideas. It's got to come from the Word of God, and it's going to be His way. It is the peace only comes through the blood of His cross. It's the blood and the cross we need to be aware of. Now, I want to be very clear as we go through here. It's very easy, and I think in America, it's, it's, it's really easy to play church. You can get caught up in the activities. You can even get caught up in some ministry. You can actually do some things. You say you're doing some things for the Lord. But it's easy to miss the real truth of what Scripture says about how to have peace with God. So we can play church. The Scripture also says we can deceive ourselves into thinking that we are Christians when we're not. It's very, very critical that we understand how a person is saved, what the Bible says about how to be saved, and that we obey what Scripture says. And you say, well, where do you get that notion? Well, turn back to Matthew chapter 7 with me. Turn in your Bibles, please, to Matthew 7. This is where I get that statement, this whole idea that you can play church. Verse 21 of Matthew 7. These are the words of Jesus. Not everyone that saith, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Now, not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, but look at this. Many. This is not just an accidental word or just, you know, the Lord just without thinking. This is, this is very, this is ordained by God. Many will say to me in that day. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils? Prophesied and cast out devils, calling him Lord. And in thy name done many wonderful works, actually seen some miracles take place. In your name, and, and we're involved in it. That's playing church. 
And then, and look at this. These are the chilling, these are the chilling words that you do not want to hear ever. And then will I profess unto them, that's to the many, that's to the many. I never knew you. And I pointed this out before. Someone pointed out to me just the other day, too. I, I read this, and, and they said, that's eternal security. And it is because he didn't say, well, I knew you for a while, and then you, you know, started living bad, and then I, I didn't know you then. No, he says, I never knew you. I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart. 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 You don't want to hear those. You don't want to hear that. Depart from me. Been calling him Lord, Lord. You're doing casting out devils and you're prophesying and many wonderful works. I never knew you. Depart. From me, ye that work iniquity. You know, I've been in the ministry a long time now. Y'all know that. And from time to time, from time to time, even in this church, from time to time, we've seen individuals get up during the invitation and walk forward and fall on their knees and receive Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior that have been faithful, active, even involved in ministry, and they discovered they really had not been born again. Now, I don't know, I can't say, it is not my place to judge your salvation. But this is critical. This is important. Today, today, you need to know, you need to examine, you need to be certain. You need to be sure that you know that if you died, and it can happen in an instant, that if you died today, that you would go to heaven based on your faith in God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's important. And listen, I prom- the devil is going to do everything in his power to stop you from receiving Christ today. He's going to do everything. He's going to say, well, they'll laugh. They'll make fun. They they won't understand. They'll say, well, I thought you were already saved. Forget all that. Eternity is at stake. Salvation is at stake. And I'd hate to be that person that mocks somebody that after they've been here and they decided, you know, today I am going to receive Christ. I'd hate to be in that. And don't, you let me know when you, if you say something sarcastic to somebody because I want to get back. I don't want to be around you because I'd be afraid lightning will strike and, you know, I don't want to be too close. This is serious. There are people, there could be someone here today that says, you know, I know I'm not really saved, but I've struggled, I've fought, I don't want to, I don't want to tell anybody. You need to come forward and receive Christ. You can do that where you sit, you can do that at home. You need to receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. Agree with God that you are what He says we all are. We're all sinners. 
We all come short. And turn your life completely over to Christ. The blood, His cross. You could be saved today. if You'll just ask Jesus to come in your heart. And I looked up, you know, it's amazing. Y'all, can, I, I can't even picture myself doing this, but I Googled the sinner's prayer. I said, you know, I've been teaching the sinner's prayer. I've heard Billy Graham do the sinner's prayer. I've heard, you know, I just Googled it. And it's kind of amazing. So I had some thoughts down already that I always say, but then I just thought, well, this. So here's, here's an idea and I really, I think most everybody agrees, it's not really the prayer. Okay, hand them a prayer and they say a prayer. It's not the prayer that's going to save you. <clears throat> it's your heart. Do you really sincerely know you're lost? Are you asking God for salvation? Do you really want to be saved? And I, God knows inside. He knows what's going on. And he knows if you're just playing games. He knows if you don't really mean it. He knows that you're doing it because you're pressured. Whatever. So the words are, but it's, dear Lord, I want to be saved. And I know that my salvation only comes through faith in Jesus Christ, your son. He died on the cross. He shed his blood and he was raised from the dead. I believe that. And I believe if I ask you, to be saved based on my faith in Jesus Christ, you'll save me today. Why don't you do that? Why don't you ask him? Why don't you ask him to save you today? So that's the only way. There's only one way to have peace with God. Peace with God. Now then, let's look at the peace of God. This is after salvation. After salvation, the peace of God. So I was, you know, laughingly started off saying, I think we can agree on this. And I think we agree. I think there are a few things we can agree on here. OK, one, we should as a church, as believers, ought to be able to agree on the virgin birth. I think that's pretty basic. And we should believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. I actually have referred to it over the years as a miracle conception. Because God, God, the father is Jesus's father. And so it's the miracle conception. I think we can also agree that God is really pro-unity, not pro-division. I think we could agree to that. I think God, I think God really is for the church, his little family, to be in unity, in one. I, th I think we could agree to that. We're not each other. You know, the devil is really shrewd, and he is a liar. He is a liar, and he's out to kill, steal, and destroy. And he's going to do, but let me just give you a little tip. We're not each other's enemies. If you know Jesus Christ, we're not enemies. You're my brother, or you're my sister in Christ. And I'm your brother, or brother in Christ. <clears throat> so, now on this topic of peace, the peace of God. It is not turmoil. It is not anxiety. 
It is not conflict. And I would challenge you during this Christmas time, this season, to look through your Bibles. We don't have time today. But I would encourage you, you, surely you can find 30 minutes to get a concordance and look up all the references to peace. It's, it's kind of incredible. It's very encouraging. The peace of God. It's this peace that is the peace of God is more than the absence of conflict. And I did look up several different things. Um, Research some and again, just just kind of in a capsule. This idea, this original word is is the idea of completeness or wholeness. Uh, totality. Success, fulfillment, harmony, security, well-being, all these things. When you look up in the different concordances and different things and different reasons, uh, explain the original language. These are some words that you'll see. And I found one thing from W. Vine that was, and he had, he had so much to say about the peace of God and, and peace. But this kind of captured my attention, and I'll just pass it along. You're going to have to think on this one a little bit. It's a scripture. It's Psalm four eight, but. But you, you think you'll have to think because you had I, I was sitting there completely alone and 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 I was reading this. So it's something that's just not easy to say. Oh, yeah, I see that. You have to think about it a little bit. But he said that this peace of God is internal and external. Does that make sense? Internal and external. And here's the verse he used for that. And it was very interesting. And I, and I could see it. I don't think he just, you know, threw this idea out. And then I just, you know, kind of made myself see it. I, I think I really see it. But it's not easy to see. Okay. Psalm 4, 8. I both lay me down in peace and sleep for thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. Now, y'all think about that for a minute. I mean, you're going to have to you're going to have to chew on that a little bit internal and external. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. That's internal. For thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. That's external. While you're sleeping, who's keeping watch? That's external. You get anybody get it? That's okay. Uh, I liked it, and I hope that you'll get it. Maybe you're driving home and you're saying, "Ah, I finally get it." Now Proverbs three twenty four: When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep. Shall be what? Does y'all know that right offhand? What about your sleep? What will it be? Come on, y'all know this. Sweet. Y'all, see, we taught our kids growing up, we want you to have a sweet sleep. Now, may I just say that I've observed in church 
especially the afternoon service, some have had a very sweet sleep. And sometimes on Sunday mornings. Let me read it again because it's, it's Proverbs 3.24. You need to have that verse and y'all need to, and it's something that you think about because we, we need, God wants us to, this is, the, this is peace of God when you can have a sweet sleep. When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid, yet, yea, thou shalt lie down and thy sleep shall be sweet. Now, honestly, during this crazy world and crazy time we're, we're living in, I want to ask you a question. And be, just, you know, don't answer out or anything, but just let me ask you a question. When you put your head on the pillow at night, and y'all think about this, when you put your head on the pillow at night, are you dozing off to sleep in a sweet sleep? Or do you put your head on the pillow at night and you're, because you're just exhausted? And there is a difference. And folks, I'm going to tell you, our hectic racing schedule that many people keep, I really believe when they put their head on the pillow, it's more out of exhaustion than just being restful, at peace with God and of God, and you just go to sleep and you have a sweet sleep. Let's look at <clears throat> Isaiah. Isaiah 9, 6. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. The peace of God when you have a relationship with the Son of God is part of God's plan for every believer. Let me, uh, let me read another passage. John 14. If you'll turn back to the New Testament. John 14. Let me just back up 25, 26, and 27. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Now look at 27. Peace, peace, I leave with you. 
my peace, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. <clears throat> the word of God, I believe, is very, very crystal clear. And I hope that we're not going to be guilty of trying to twist things around to make it fit our lifestyle or whatever issue we're going through and, and say, well, I, I'm acting this way because of this. I really think the church needs to be a demonstration to everyone of Jesus' peace, the peace of God. You've been hearing it from this pulpit and even recently in ways that you would, if you reflect back, you might say this is what it's about. The word of God is trying to get across a point to all of us in these troubled times, in these very difficult times, in these very confusing times. We as individuals. We need to be experiencing the peace of God. And I'm telling you, when we have anxiety and we're fretful and we're, you know, arguing and debating over issues. That's not showing lost people. That we're a church that we experience the peace of God. We have the peace of God going on in our hearts. <clears throat> I mean, there are just so many. Look at Colossians. Turn to Colossians chapter 3. I want to show you another one here. Colossians chapter 3. I mean, this, this was really exciting for me as the thoughts started coming, but all of a sudden, then I started looking up all the different references. I want you to look at Colossians 3.15. I mean, it's like, all right, God, speak to me. I need God to speak to me. All right, here it is. And let the peace of God, the peace of God rule. <laughs> let the peace of God rule. That means to control. That means to be Lord. He, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. To the which also you are called in one body. And be ye thankful. Let the peace of God rule. Folks, ask yourself. The way I'm acting. The way I communicate with others. The, what I write. And I don't do it. But whatever y'all. What I write on Facebook. And the debates I get in on Facebook. And people have told me some of this. And it's alarming. It's concerning. I think lost people are sitting back. Somebody show me the peace of God. Somebody show me peace. I need some peace. I need hope. 
And the only place I know to turn is the church. I need to see it from a believer. I need to see it from somebody that says I'm a Christian. Folks, I'm going to tell you, I've told you for weeks and weeks and weeks, but I'm going to tell you one more time in love. This burr under our saddles, the mask. Mark it down. Make a note. Jot it down in your diary. Remember your pastor told you, when you get to heaven, God's going to say that small potatoes compared to the big issues that I wanted you to be involved in. Folks, you better please, I beg you. That is such a small issue, but some are making it a mountain. And it's totally uncalled for. And from God's perspective, it's totally foolish. And you're falling for the the lie that Satan has gotten you so distracted over certain insignificant things when people are breathing their last and dying and going off into eternity in hell and burning there forever. And we're debating it's wrong and we need to end it. I'll give you just a a real personal idea. And this is from experience because this peace of God is not, not always easy to let it rule in your heart. Seven days a week, 724, it's not easy. But we've, in the past, we've brought messages on giving up and yielding our rights. That's what happens when you become a disciple of Christ. You, he's the Lord and you give up your rights. You see, until we learn to really give up our rights, we're not going to have the peace of God. Mark, just jot that down in your little book. Until you learn to genuinely give up your rights, Because you see, the conflict comes when you feel like somebody's trying to take something from you. That's when I get all tense. I think somebody's trying to get to me. But when you give up all your rights, say, Lord, I trust you. You're my Lord. You're in control. You're allowing certain things to happen. And I'm just going to trust you. And you say, oh, that's... No, you can do that. As a believer, you can do that. Till you yield all of your rights. And it doesn't matter the subject. Till you yield your rights. So you show me a person that's all agitated and all, you know, ruffled up and ready to fight. I'll show you a person that hadn't yielded their rights. And by the way, has anybody forgotten last year, December? Does anybody remember the topic that for the whole month we went into the new year with a topic, one topic? No murmuring. And all of a sudden, God said, I just really want to put this to the test. I wonder if y'all really mean business. Y'all talked a good talk at church for a while. And you actually had some decent conversations with each other. And you actually didn't murmur. And then 2020 came along. 
I'm just going to tell you, I don't think 2020 has been murmur-free, would you? It goes back to taking captive every thought. We've preached a lot on that. Then look at Philippians chapter 4. Folks, I'm going to tell you, I hope you understand, I'm telling you the truth. And you don't need to send me a letter if you disagree, it's okay. Because I can probably tell you who it is right now. Because we've already had a few conversations. But I love you anyway. And I hope you love me too anyway. All right, look at verse 6, chapter 4. Be careful for nothing. That means don't be anxious. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, in everything. Isn't it amazing how God just says just one big broad brush in everything? You think he knew about 2020? I mean, you think God, do you think God, this just slipped up on God? And he said, but except 2020. Now, this is where you have a right to really fight. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And look at this, and the peace of God. You do this. Be careful for nothing. Don't be anxious. And by everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request. Go to God with it. It's okay. Go to God with your, your issues. Let your request be made known unto God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds. Shall keep. that You know the original word. We've gone over it hundreds of times. It's a, the idea of garrison. The, it's circling. It's the guard circling for you. It's God encompassing your mind. Guarding your mind. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Peace only comes when we obey. Peace only comes when we have the right attitude in prayer. And peace only comes, this is my opinion, and I think I can back it up with Scripture, when you yield your rights. I just want lost people to see our church and say I was drawn to Christ. Because the godly character that I saw in these church members. I just want somebody to say, and they have along the way. I want somebody to say, I, I actually saw Christ in the members of Northville. You know, the church has an opportunity to live out what we've been taught. We have an opportunity to live out what we've been taught. I believe just like we've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in chapter 1 of Ephesians, I believe the peace of God has been provided to every one of us. It is up to us to receive it and appropriate it. 
but I believe it's there. I believe, I believe the peace of God is there available for every one of us to partake in, to enjoy. But we have to receive it. We have to accept it. We have to be in prayer. Now then, we're going to wrap it up. So I'll say in conclusion. <clears throat> I've had the privilege of knowing some very, very wonderful people in 34 years at this church. And there's no way to name them all, but I think of Mr. and Mrs. Maples. Think about Mrs. Maples coming and knocking on our door early in the mornings when we lived right over here. And my wife and Mrs. Maples and, and Royce, I think, walked. They walked the neighborhood. They exercised. And Mr. Maples, in his 80s, coming in that day and receiving Christ as his Lord and Savior. What a hallelujah day. And the Wells. The Wells. Leo Wells. Norma Wells. Norma was a believer. Leo wasn't. My car that we had at the time was a lemon. And we spent a lot of time because he was a mechanic out of his driveway right here in the neighborhood. And so we got to know him. And he'd call me up. He wasn't saved. He would call me up and say, Rod, I've got to go run parts. You want to go with me? I'd say, sure. Then I called on him one night when a man had left his wife after 40 years and he went to the lake house, camp house. And I said, I need somebody big, mean, and ugly to go with me. Will you go? And he said, sure. And the guy, I'll just say it nicely, he kind of got nervous as we talked to him, very nervous. He was barefoot and he started digging at his feet. I'll just say it that way. So as we drove away, I said, find me a ditch with water. And he said, why? And I said, I got to wash my hands. He said, oh, I thought you were wanting to baptize me. Well, one of those trips, I told Leo, I'd never said, this was a year and a half now. We were friends, been to their house, right here in the neighborhood. Didn't, didn't, didn't pressure him. But one day, I let him out. And I said, Leo, you know, if I were you, I'd be afraid to crawl under a car in your condition. And he went to bed that night and he said at about four or five o'clock in the morning, he woke Norma up, his wife said, Normie, let's get up. I'm ready to receive Christ. And he prayed, they got on their knees and he prayed right there in his house and he prayed and received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And I had the privilege of baptizing him. And Mr. and Mrs. Jones, Mr. Jones, we had some great times. But Mrs. Jones, one of her favorite verses, she would say this often, Isaiah 26, 3, Thou will keep him in perfect peace. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. That was one of her favorites. Now we have to acknowledge that whatever we're facing in this year, in the new year, God is in control and God has allowed it. So we have to thank him that he's working 
all things together for good for them that love God and are called according to his purpose. He's provided everything we'll ever need to experience the peace of God. It's there. It's available. It's real. It's genuine. And you can have it. If you know Christ, you can have the peace of God. So this Christmas, my challenge to you is this. During our invitation, I ask all believers to pray. If you're, if you're a believer, to pray and ask God for the peace of God for the days ahead. God, I really need your peace. I need your peace today. I need your peace. I want that, that assurance because I trust you. I want that assurance from you that I can rest in you and experience genuine peace. And when I put my head on the pillow at night, it'll not just be because I'm exhausted. I'm going to enter into a sweet sleep. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, today would be the greatest day of your life. We're not, we're not trying to make you feel bad. We're trying to make you feel good. We want you to be saved. We want you to come to know Jesus. We want you to understand that he's the only way to have peace with God. So let's pray, and all believers praying for anyone that might be lost and without Christ. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the word of God, how clear it is, how rich it is, how affirming it is. I pray that today would be a special day, that someone would come to know Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior, and that all of us who know Jesus would leave here today with a new perspective on peace, that we can appropriate it, we can have it, we can enjoy the peace of God every day of the week, every night, we can have the peace, yield our rights, trust you completely, depend on you to, to work it out for our good, and to know that you're in charge, you're in control. So I pray now that you would accomplish your will and your way, and all decisions that are made today, I, we just want you to receive all the glory and honor, because it's all about you and not about us. We just love you, Father. And thank you for loving us so much that you'd give us a message from the word. Just saturate our minds with the truth of the peace of God. For it's in Jesus' most wonderful name we pray. Amen.